Empowering women is good, but advancing women, that is the real game changer. Join us at the What Rules Leadership Conference this October 25th. We are bringing multicultural women and their managers together to bring about change that will echo across the leadership landscape. Managers of multicultural women, this is your opportunity to leave a lasting legacy. You do not want to miss this groundbreaking experience. Register today at whatrulespodcast.com. Hey, everyone. We're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Mirari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. Normally, I like to start with like, hey, how are y'all doing? But today, I want to get right into the topic because we're talking about changing course without hesitation. And I want to know, Mirari, Courtney, Shay, person listening, think about what holds you back from making decisions quickly. I think that my biggest hurdle with like when it comes to making decisions fast it's a lack of awareness. So maybe I've already gone into the next thing and not even realized that either one, I already made a decision subconsciously, or I should have made a decision instead of finding myself in a position. I didn't even give myself a chance to change course. What about for you all? For me, I would say is maybe perceived loss. It feels sometimes that I may be losing something and I forget to look at the possibilities. And this is coming from somebody that's super positive, as you know. I'm going through a career transition right now. And for a moment, it felt like a loss. Like, oh my God, there's a part of me that's ending. What am I going to do? And now after being able to have the time to think, now I'm excited about the future and what it's going to bring. But honestly, it felt like a, like a loss at the moment. The word that came to mind is grieving. When you said, I feel like I'm losing something and what's going to happen in this new stage. It's also normal to acknowledge a big part of my life is changing. And even if it's a positive change, your mind doesn't always register the difference. A transition is a transition, whether it's good or bad. I love that. I think for me, imposter syndrome is probably what held me back. Mm -hmm. I was so hesitant. I didn't think I could. I struggled with the vision. I struggled with the how. Or maybe I had the vision but didn't understand the how. And then I was intimidated and I didn't think I could. Lots of nodding heads here. <laughs> yes. I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. I think... I would have to say I would agree earlier in my career, it was more fear and hesitating about, was I enough? Do I have what it takes? All of those kinds of things. But now 
it's not my term. It's coined by a man named Terry Looper who wrote a book called Sacred Pace. It's all about getting neutral. Like, how do you weigh the pros, the cons, the ups, the downs, the loss, the gains, and get to a place where you're at a place of neutrality and you can just see it for what it's offering, not with your desires, but really what is this opportunity bringing to you and is it truly for you? So for me now, it's getting neutral is what holds me back. I won't go until I'm neutral. Okay. I need to read that book. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a copy. Oh my gosh. I will. It's yes, that good. I love I'd that. love to gift yes. it to you. In fact, Janice Dane has it too. I know she does. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Okay. A past podcast mm-hmm. guest and my mentor. Oh, I love it. I want to welcome our guest, Shay Farley, to the What Rules podcast. Shay, we're so excited to have you. Tell us who you are, all the hats that you wear, because I know you do a lot. You are a lot. So, I, of course, I want to hear your job title, but I want to know everything. Oh, wow. But everything's going to take way more time than we have, right? I mean, how long <laughs> is this podcast? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I guess I'd start with, like, my faith journey. Like, I'm first and foremost a child of God, so that's really important to me, more who I am than what I do. I am an HR professional, so I've been in the practice of HR for almost 25 years now. I'm the Chief Human Resources Officer for Allview Systems. Allview is a fintech company, and we build SaaS technology solutions for the alternative investments industry. I serve at my church. That's a huge part of what I do. I'm a huge volunteer for youth in the community. I'm a board member, so I sit on a couple of boards, a couple of paid boards, a couple of unpaid boards. So yeah, that's those are the hats that I wear most of the time. Um, I'm not a mom. I'm not a wife. I'm a big sister and a good daughter. Honestly, I'm telling my friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman on my podcast, she's single. Aww. And all of my friends are like, ah, oh, thank you. I'm not alone. Like they're all doing really well in their lives, ages probably 33 to 47. And each person that I tell, it's it's like, yes, there's another <laughs> one of us because sometimes you just yeah, feel alone in no, that journey. Totally, totally. <laughs> especially in the faith-based community if you're very involved. In faith-based communities, it can be very lonely because it's not as common or as accepted. And then tell me, what is your ethnic heritage? So I'm African-American. My mom's originally from Florida. My dad's originally from Georgia, so I'm a southeastern girl. But I now live in the great state of Texas, and I love it. And I'll leave kicking and screaming, even though it's 107 (laughs) degrees outside today. I say the same thing. I... We'll have to leave kicking, kicking and screaming. Won't even do that because That's I love right. it here. Good I living. love it here, regardless how hot it's it is outside. Living. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, I have a question for you, Shay. You know, you have rich experiences in numerous industries, and I am sure you've broken many rules to achieve your success. What is one rule you could share with us um, that you've broken to advance your career? I left corporate America after 21 years and moved into a role in a nonprofit faith-based entity. And as the daughter of a pastor, I had no desire to do any work with any church folk. If you're a church person and you listen to this, don't take offense to that. I'm a PK. <laughs> yes. I get to say that. And it was my mom who was a pastor. Most people like, oh, your father's a pastor. Like, no, no, no. It was my mother. Um, and so, But after hearing my mom all the time on calls in the middle of the night, the phone ringing, I'm going to the hospital. This person needs prayer. That person needs prayer. Oh, we got this service. Oh, we got this meeting. Oh, this person's coming to town. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I have no desire. Church people are crazy. 
And I'm like, wait, I'm one of those people, but we're crazy. And so I, I, um, I love it. I, I, my friends told me, are you out of your mind? It was an almost a 60% pay cut. I mean, there was nothing about this that made any lick of sense. And um, I didn't know this whole practice of getting neutral at the time, but I did. I weighed all the pros and all the cons, and you weigh the kind of tangible things, the wins and losses and pluses and minuses. Nothing on paper made sense. Um, but I had this knowing, this kind of internal nudge. And I actually went on a three-day fast and um, just only water and coffee for three days. I can't survive without coffee, y'all. Sorry. And um, Ooh, that gives me hope, though. Water and coffee. I was like, Lord, I, I, I can't give up nothing else. And I got to have a little coffee. And I, I, I literally begged God, like, make it so plain I can't miss you. That was my prayer. And I had one dear friend here in Dallas praying as well, who's an elder at our church. And I said, she goes, what do you want me to pray? I was like, just pray that God would make it so plain that I couldn't miss him. And so I'm driving to work and I'm looking for signs. And I'm like, it's got to be like, you got to tell me I'm getting hungry. (laughs) And long story short, he literally um, showed me in the ninth hour on the last day of the fast with a homeless man standing on the side of the road wearing the name of the organization, a T-shirt of the organization that I went to go with. Mm -hmm, That's how the Lord revealed it. And so that's when the hesitation immediately left me because I knew I was in the right place at the right time. So, um, yeah, it was a heck of a pivot. And interestingly enough, I reflect back, I left a lot of equity on the table, a lot of um, stock options on the table, a lot of money. We were going through restructuring the company that I left, and I'd given, had designed the package because I'm in HR for these stay packages. And then I got one for my <laughs> boss, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess y'all would want me to stay. And that was all in play when I left. And um, fast forward, we're in the middle of the pandemic, and the company I was working at was a travel company. The the money it was worth nothing. Oh, wow. none of that stock was worth one dime. And I remember sitting on my couch in this house where I'm standing now, and and God bringing it back to my remembrance. That money was is not worth a dime right now because no one was traveling, and it was the the timeliness of when it was supposed to be due, when all the money would come to fruition, based on vesting. It was worth nothing. So it's like I didn't leave any of that on the table because I would have never gotten a dime of it. What I really heard from your story and your journey is that overcoming hesitation requires intentionality. Yes, ma'am. I think a lot of people try to overcome it hoping it just kind of happens one day. Like one day I'll feel it. One day I'll X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Mm. And I love your story. I just, I love it so much. Coach Court. You're going to be Coach Court. That's your new name, Coach Court. I want to own that. I like it. Coach Court, right? I I like it. it. As soon as she said it, it it Coaching Courtney, (laughs) Coach Court. (laughs) But yeah, it's your intentionality that has gotten you here. Like with everything that you decided, even you intentionally saying, hey, God, let's also talk about coffee can I keep this? You know, (laughs) like it's the little things. And I just want to give a highlight to that because anyone that's listening, if you are looking for a sign and how to overcome your hesitation, it is move with intentionality. And do it afraid, do it anyways, right? If you have 80%, just go, right? Just trust, take a leap of faith. I mean, we can end the podcast. Yeah, that that was like, (laughs) like that's deep right there. Do it scared. Do it scared. What I love about this story is that you were intentional about it. It didn't mean that you weren't scared, but yet you tapped into 
that one superpower, right? In this case is your faith, that catalyst for you that you were just like, okay, I need help and I can't do it alone. So outside of being intentional, I love the fact that you're, I'm not doing it alone. I'm going to have somebody else, you know, whether it's praying for you or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, in addition to your faith, you leverage a catalyst. So you're being intentional and you're not doing it alone so that somebody's walking with you in this journey. Yeah. Right. You know, the the saying goes, if you want to go far, go together. And I do think like we, we tend to try to club challenges and problems on our own. And, you know, we were never meant to do all this on our own. I love that. The other thing I took from which was just the coffee part. This is just a side note because I keep saying I have to pass and I'm like, but I don't want to give up coffee. So you just gave me hope um, so that I will. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't know sure if it's very that. biblical, but I was like, listen, no food. I'm going to have to have some coffee to make it through. There's only water and wine in the Bible. So I figure I could have just done water and wine, but that didn't seem very godly. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I go. don't know. I, I'm kind of inspired now. That's so funny. Alisa's like, wait, I might do uh, the wine. Okay, Jesus, let's have a conversation. Oh, gosh, I need a miracle and both of those right your first, water and wine. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I don't want to get away from the fact that, like, you leaving corporate, I mean, you worked for Sam's Club, Walmart, Pfizer. Like, these are not small companies to then go leave and go into nonprofit. I mean, the nonprofit you were a part of is huge, but it's still very different. And now you're back into corporate. So now looking at the journey back, how do you see that pivot helping you from a career advancement perspective. I think that's the most fascinating thing about it. I think I I took that opportunity having no idea, right? But what I didn't know coming out of it was that having the title of chief human resources officer would mean that I would only mostly get jobs at that title when I was leaving, right? And so that was the amazing thing. I was thinking that when I left, that the calls that I would get would probably be for jobs similar to the level that I was when I left. So I was expecting to get kind of VP, SVP level jobs, but not top jobs. And I promise you, probably 80% of the calls I took were for the top job. And so if nothing else, I was the CHRO of that organization. But certainly to your point, in the worldly sense, many would say it didn't rise to the occasion that having the title in a nonprofit versus having the title at a Pfizer or a Walmart, it's very different, right? So it opened that door. The other really cool thing is that the board of the organization had a lot of individuals who were in the private equity space. And I had not been really open in the past to private equity for a myriad of reasons, right? Like you have to be super scrappy and you know, you're building everything from the ground up and, you know, it's like the Wild Wild West sometimes. All the reasons I love right? private equity. And then, long story <laughs> short, I get to, you know, I go work in nonprofit and I was doing all that. I had to be really scrappy. I had to build a lot of things from the ground up. I had to, you know, take everything that I'd gleaned from these very large organizations and kind of unpack it and repack it for a use case, a very different use case, and then um, a faith-based use case, right? So some things worked, some things didn't. But I got to interact with all of these, you know, private equity folks. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then so you take the scrappiness of the experience plus the influencers and all these mentors and people I got to be around that are members of our boards or big donors. 
And those two things came together and opened my aperture to a career path that I don't know that I was as open to in the past. And so I actually took more calls from PE firms than I did prior to going into this role. So that was the other really cool thing about the pivot, how it opened new doors, right? And so now I don't know that I'd ever go back. I mean, I have lots of friends who still work at Pfizer, lots of friends who still work at Walmart. I got a call the other day for a job for a pharmaceutical company up in the Cambridge area. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to go back. I mean, I love healthcare, but I don't think I want to go back into the the big, bad, amazing. I kind of like the small, scrappy, amazing. It's like one of those unexpected benefits. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, the other thing is that you are enjoying it. I mean, you could see it when you're telling the story. You're like lit up. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, I'm sold. I'm like, all right, I may have to be considering this piece <laughs> in my transition. Hey, talk to me. <laughs> like, come on, Doc, I can help you. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Well, she just gave you, you a nickname too. We've never called Sorry. you Doc. <laughs> I have a very bad him. habit of that. No, I, I have a very that. bad habit. Like I give everybody a call name and nickname. It's so bad. So please forgive me if that was in any way disrespectful. I didn't oh, mean I love it to it. be disrespectful. No, I, I love really it. Cool. I was like, it's cool. We're like getting baptized here with our nicknames. <laughs> We need one for Alisa hey, next. Give me time. Well, by the end of the episode, I'm waiting for an Alisa nickname. <laughs> I'm curious, how would you relate to our theme change course without hesitation? I will tell you, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that oftentimes people do make pivots and and don't think twice. I think we say we don't think twice, but most times you think twice, particularly when it's a career pivot. I think based on the things that we've discussed today, there is hesitation. It's just like you don't hesitate for too long and you do it anyway. You do it afraid. Um, I think the essence of your theme is really about kind of looking at the opportunity holistically And don't hesitate based on the things that don't really matter, right? If you're hesitating based on things like money or title, and don't hesitate for those things. But if you're, you know, you're hesitating because you think it's going to impact your ability to show up for your kids or show up for your spouse or show up for your loved ones or serve in the community, the things that really matter, like the, the part of the dash when we die on the dates that really matter, then that's when you hesitate. So I think your theme is beautiful in the sense that you're saying hesitate only for the things that really matter, but otherwise don't hesitate. Just go for it. Just do it. We'll steal from Nike. I love you how you put it. Like, don't hesitate on the things that don't matter, right? And it's just, wow. I never thought about it Mm -hmm. from that perspective, right? Like, I have to kind of do my own analysis. Okay, what really matters and what doesn't? You know, because when you put it from the perspective of relationships with loved ones or even things that I love to do in the community to, you know, money or whatever it may be, the relationships, especially those with your loved ones, they don't have a price, right? So it's such a different perspective. No, absolutely. I think too, like for me, I'm a constant learner. So I'm always looking for a new opportunity to learn. You know, I've spent time in Southeast Asia. I've spent time in Europe. I've spent time in pharma. I went to retail, right? I went to tech, went to nonprofit. I mean, these things put you in these environments and make you very uncomfortable. And 
eventually you get addicted to being uncomfortable. I'm a little addicted to it. <laughs> I tell my um, mentees and coaches all the time, if you're not uncomfortable at least one day a week in your job, it's time for a new job because it means you're not growing, right? It's it's the place of discomfort. Um, the the Bible would call it the pressing place where the olive gets pressed. It's the pressing place um, where you grow and stretch. And so, um, you know, the beautiful thing about those pivots is that they do put you in uncomfortable environments and those are places of growth. So that's the other blessing and cool thing about your theme is changing course is important. I always think about the statistic where women stay in their jobs too long. They know it's time to move, but they stay there two years on average before they do. When you are working, especially with women of color, multicultural women who are in that place of hesitation and like can't get out because there is like the analysis paralysis, Mm -hmm. there's taking responsibility over way too much, there's all these things. What advice would you give to anyone that you would be mentoring who's stuck? Post for the job anyway. Always post. You know, there's research that says that, and I saw this when I worked at Pfizer, we did a a book of work that actually proved this to be true, um, that women look at a job description and think they have to check every box of the requirements for the job. And men look at a job description and go, oh, I can do that, that, and that. I can't do that, 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 and that. But I can do that, that, and that, and I'm applying, right? And then I'm getting the job, right? They end up being in the, the candidate of choice. And so I would say post for the job. The worst thing that happens is you don't get it. But there's something that grows you in the process of the interviewing and preparing and just the nervousness that comes about when you're about to go into an interview and put your best foot forward. All that's practice. So maybe you don't get the job. But guess what? Maybe you do. But by all means, don't look at the job description and disqualify yourself because you can't do everything on a job description. In my function as an HR professional for 25 years, I assure you I've written a lot of job descriptions. I've never had anybody who can do all the things on a job description. It's meant to be robust and broad. You're not going to find the perfect candidate. There is no perfect candidate. No one has a perfect game in any sport ever. So post anyway would be my greatest advice. If we could share one thing for anyone who feels like they're at a crossroads, if your crossroads is for your career and it's time to apply for the job, apply for the job, right? That's what you're saying, Shay. Yes. It's also like knowing what you want, like know what you want, know what you value, I guess, is how as how you put it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this idea of intentionality where, okay, I know this is what I want. I'm going to apply. I'm going to take the time to talk to people around me, talk to my mentors, talk to my peers, talk to other people in the space. And then I'm also Mm -hmm. going to talk to God. And, And whether you're a believer or not, there's, you know, there's that taking that space yes. so that you feel confident in making that decision. So this change course without hesitation is what we call it. And and what we found, the more we talk about this, is it's not really hesitation. It's almost like change course with thinking behind it, thinking, mm-hmm. praying, talking. There's a lot of things that go into it, but keep moving is my biggest takeaway. It's almost like being intentional about changing course. Yes. You're going to change course. So be intentional about the whole process, whether it's spiritually, you know, with the mentors or whatever it is and talking to people, but you're taking those strategic steps. So I don't feel that you're winging it. I feel like you're changing course, but you are being very intentional about it. Yeah. You have to prepare. You have to like think through. But not to your point, not analysis paralysis, but you do have to take the time to think and take the, just pace yourself and not rush, 
But at the same time, when you've got enough information and you feel that peace and you've got to go, then just go. And for your story, it brought you higher on the corporate ladder. Like we're talking about changing the face of leadership. We want to see more women of color in the C-suite. And here you are. I just want to congratulate you for taking those steps and setting an example for the rest of us because now we see that you got there and it wasn't even your plan. I don't know what your plan was. It was was not my plan. I assure you. (laughs) Like going to work for any church, any faith-based, anything was never in the plan for me. I would have never guessed it in a million years. Being a CHRO was always a desire in my heart. I didn't know how the Lord was going to do it. So the, the way he did it is really, really cool, and I'm super grateful. And for me, the bigger desire came was to be on a be, have a paid board seat. Like, that's the, you know, that was the other huge desire of my heart. And again, that came as a result of, you know, because the board that I sit on is actually a for-profit company that serves the church. So it's a mutual insurance company wow. that serves it. So had I never had that experience in the nonprofit, that's what qualified me. It was the fact that I had did have all the corporate experience, all the accoutrements that come with that. But I also, like, it was clearly obvious that I was someone serious about my faith. And so the marrying of those two things is what opened that door for me. So, you know, we do have to be intentional because God is very intentional. He knew then that that door would open, that I needed this experience to fulfill that desire in my heart. He also knew that that organization needed the expertise and the things that I could bring to the table to help mature the HR function for them. So it was a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's it's your intentionality paired with your faith. Yeah. Your, the two no really helped you mm-hmm. to pivot in the right direction and give you confidence that you're pivoting in the right direction. It's true. There's a no, I have a knowing about things. Like the entire time— um, in the midst of that journey where there were some hard days. I mean, we're, I mean, I walked through the throes of the pandemic there, right? And so that that was hard enough in corporate America where you had all these resources and you had tons of lawyers to dissect what was happening. You had a team of media people. I mean, just way more resources to step through what we all step through together. And in that organization, you know, way less, very competent, capable people, but just not as many. And so you were working a lot of hours to try and ascertain what was safe. And then you're you're doing work with youth. So there's a whole nother layer of safety that you're thinking about um, and liability and challenges. And, you know, I will tell you, I wouldn't take anything for that part of my journey whatsoever. I mean, not at all. Like at the time, I couldn't see how it all was going to come together, but it, it did come together so beautifully. And, and I'm super grateful for how it all did. And and I'm very at the same time, I'm very happy now. I don't I don't miss or begrudge any of that because I'm really happy with where I am right now. It was a, it was a nice chapter in the book of the story called Shea Farley, The Aspen in the Pines. The Aspen in the Pines? You even have I'm a the name Aspen. for your own journey. That's my book. No, that's my book. <laughs> the Aspen in the Pines. Oh that's the book. That's the journey. That's the name of it. God gave me that. Driving up a mountain in the great state of Colorado. I am the Aspen in the Pines. That's beautiful. Oh, wow. And if you've ever seen Aspen <laughs> trains so in a beautiful. whole slew of pines, they're like stark yellow and all this green. It's really beautiful. I have a question for you because one of my desires in my heart is absolutely to be a CHRO. And the other one is to sit on a corporate board. And Alisa knows this, and I'm sure Courtney heard me talk about it. It's like, we need to have more multicultural women in these boards. And I love how, because you were part of that nonprofit, you were able to get exposure to other people. What would you say to other women who want to get into a paying board and any advice 
or what steps they can take as they move on in their career? This is a remarkably great question, and I can't say I've got a remarkably great answer. Because much like you, it was just a desire in my heart. And I just was like, Lord, I lay this at your feet as a desire of my heart. And if you do it, great. If you don't, no harm, no foul, right? Like some things I'm really like, I'm cool. Other things I'm like, please give me a husband, right? Like I'm not as cool like with those. (laughs) I'm like, please. I'm not as cool with this one if I have to let this one go. I'm like, no harm, no foul if I'm on a corporate board. Um, And so it just kind of happened. It just kind of unfolded. Now, granted, are there things you can do to prepare yourself? Yes. So like, you know, NCAD, you know, the National Association of Corporate Directors, like you can get a certification. You can read things that, you know, directors are thinking about. You can go to some of the conferences, you know, those things help, you know, if you have a specific um, area that you're really interested in, then stay on top of the, you know, the regulatory and the things impacting that industry, right? So I have a huge passion for healthcare. I had no idea that my board seat would be in insurance. So now I'm like, learning insurance, right? And so I think there are things you can do to prepare. But I think you said the most important one, right? And especially for me, also as a woman of faith is, he knows the desires of my heart. So just lay it at his feet and um, continue to Continue to do what he's yes. asked me to do. So, yeah. Drink Thank wine. You. That's my takeaway. Always. <laughs> I'm going to have some as soon as this wraps. That's a gay That's mine too. <laughs> with a big leafy salad, arugula salad, and a of white wine. Oh, yes. delicious. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.